Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Monday night edition of the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast. Got three games to get to. And also an interesting question that was posed on my shortened version of the Twitter NBA show that I did without Danny today. Could you pick a team out of all of the non-playoff teams that could beat Golden State in a series? So we're going to start off here with Toronto Milwaukee, then do Washington Atlanta, and finally Golden State and Portland. We're brought to you today by Movement Watches. MVMTwatches.com slash Capspace is the URL to get 15% off today, plus free shipping and free returns. And that's great for our international listeners because they ship to over 160 countries. And Lyft, an awesome ride-sharing service that's offering our listeners a special deal for new users. You can get three free rides up to $10 each using that promo code CAPSPACE. Let's get started here with a Toronto-Milwaukee game that felt very much again in similar fashion to game four, but even more so like Toronto really restoring order in this series. And for the first time really in this series, we saw the incredible offense that was so good the first half of the year for the Raptors. This was much closer to what optimists would hope for from Lowry and Rosen. Both of them were in high, you know, high teens, which is enough considering the performance they got from everyone else. And then the other star of this game to me, I mean, we should talk about Ibaka too, but Norman Powell was great. And he not only the highlight dunks, but I just thought he made a a consistently positive impact and just reflects what the Raptors need a lot more in a small forward than what they were getting before. Powell, 8 of 11 from the field, 25 points in this one, hit 4 of 4 on 3. He is now 7 of 7 on threes over his last two games. And really, he just provides so much more force and athleticism in a way that really the Bucks, for all of their length, can't match other than Giannis. I mean, they don't have anyone with his level of quickness in the backcourt. His ball skills really have improved. He's fine attacking and pick and roll, attacking off of closeouts. Not a great passer yet. He threw a few passes away, but eh, on his way to four turnovers. But uh, like there was one play in transition where he got a steal and he just outran like three Bucks and got it in. They had and got an and one. Uh, Middleton in particular looks like he's absolutely in quicksand trying to play against Powell in this one. And it's amazing considering he was out of their rotation entirely, not only at the end of the season, but at the start of this series. And he's certainly a talented guy. I had been harping on him not playing enough because I think he's good. And I didn't expect him to be a, a, to perform as high at a high level like he did today, but still a talented player. And it was true last game too, but Serge Ibaka's defense, especially in the, like for me, I don't know why it was the first half that stuck out to me but I thought that was the best stretch for him yeah the beginning of the first and third quarters he had a stretch where he blocked Giannis twice at the rim and dunked on him twice in like a, a four minute period Giannis had a nightmare start he started one for six and then he proceeded to make 12 of his next 13 field goals on his way to 30 points three steals three blocks nine rebounds but it really was too little too late the, the Bucks were never really able to get back into contact 
after a first quarter in which they're outscored 31 to 20 they went down by 20 quickly against the Lowry plus bench unit they're second unit they went back to Mirza Toledovic who did hit a three but again was overmatched defensively and when they had Greg Monroe Terry and Toledovic all on the floor that was really a problem Monroe did not play as good defensively as he has earlier in the series and they really tried to take advantage of him once again with very high screens and then the Bucks defense also just was doing some weird stuff too like they were basically started doubling DeRozan like whenever he would put the ball on the floor at times and then he would just throw a pass to someone who was wide open and they would just score like it was really you know it wasn't like they're even doubling off the pick and roll and they weren't doubling at a time when you know he'd beaten his initial defender he was just kind of working to his spots in the mid-range and well I know he can be effective on those shots at times being that freaked out about him taking a contested mid-range J that you're going to just give up a wide open three or you know give him just an easy one pass away look to start the spacing train rolling and and swing swing and you get it another great shot so I thought that the Raptors 28 assists I mean this is a team that despite being a great offense had you know a record low number of assists for how good they were offensively and for them to get 28 assists, Lowry had 10, DeRozan 6, Powell 4 among their leaders, and then a bunch of other guys had some as well. It was really a, a big-time regression from the Bucks defense that had so stymied this Toronto team in games 1 and 3. Yeah, and really, I, even I, in game 4 as well. You know, they only had 87 points in game 4. That's too. true. And Toronto, it was one of the things that we were going to watch this entire postseason was the idea of whether they could combine a steadier offense. I mean, not maybe not even the, the off, what they had the first six weeks of the year when they were just killing it, when they were actually number 1 in offense. And the defense they showed in the second half— and. I don't think they're ever going to get all the way to doing to, to coupling both those things together but this to me top to bottom seemed like the closest they've gotten at any point during the season yeah they did i mean they, they played excellent defense as well holding the bucks to a 101 offense rating. I mean, this actually was a pretty slow game and for them to put up 118 they had a 128 offensive rating themselves uh abaka you mentioned him his line worth repeating 19 points 8 to 10 from the field hit a three and uh, had those three blocks uh, early which were big and he did all that in only 25 minutes and then they were effective with Valanchunas on the floor he was plus 15 although he oddly like just can't post up anymore which is really weird I mean like Thon Maker who weighs like a buck 75 it's like poking the ball away from him in the post like you'd hope he could score in that matchup but Nonetheless, they did fine when he was out there. He didn't get killed defensively. And for the Bucks, I mean, other than Brogdon, who is 7 of 11, 5 of 7 on threes, Snell only got five shots. He was uh, 3 of 4 on threes. I mean, really, other than Giannis and Brogdon, uh, nobody else played particularly well. Monroe had 11 points, but he was negative he was 13, as I mentioned, got took it, adva- taken advantage of and uh, was not really any good on the boards. I mean, the Bucks as a team, only had 23 rebounds <laughs> in this game and only two off offensive rebounds which is a disappointment for such an athletic team uh which meant that they only offensive rebounded five percent of the misses and you know the a lot of it was just toronto wasn't missing as well but uh, it was just not as good of a performance as we've seen so far from the Bucks. Um, well, something else I, I wanted really, to mention. Yeah. I want to mention is that this was the second game in a row where the Bucks had three different starters who scored ten points or fewer. And you can generate your offense in various different ways. And Game Four, part of that was because they just did score any points. I think they had seventy nine in that game. But they are going to need more from those other players, especially because Giannis's efficiency is not so rock solid that he can sustain an offense, especially not at that kind of a usage. And they're 
their defense can be good, but it isn't consistent enough when you think about a seven-game series against a capable opponent. Yeah, another big problem for the Bucks was the 15 turnovers that they had in a pretty slow-paced game. Oh, the Raps had 17 of their own, but that meant that the Raptors' true shooting in this game was 72%, which is obviously, you know, completely insane for an entire game. And while the Raptors' three-point shooting was amazing early on, they only ended up 12 out of 27. So it wasn't like they were just like finished the game at some completely insane rate or, or uh, numbers there. Uh, I mean, I just want to check out the, the Raps' shot chart here. But I do think like Powell was so critical because they just have another guy who either is just going to knock down shots from the corner or, you know, when you close out on him, he can drive and make a play or finish in, in spectacular fashion, as we noted. Uh, so the, that shot chart for the Raptors, they were on fire on jumpers as well. They shot 15 out of 25 on twos outside the restricted area. So that's something that won't necessarily continue. Didn't get a ton of shots at the rim, but they also got to the foul line as well. I mean, it was just a, a great offensive performance from a, a team that has some talented players. And it's good to see those guys finally living up to what we think they can be uh, uh, in the playoffs, but they're going to have to sustain it. Um, any other notes that you had on this one? before we talk about just the uh where we see the series going from here that's actually exactly where i was going so we might as well just head there um well i had a couple other things i wanted to say surprisingly enough it happens (laughs) but i felt like i just talked long enough here um well how did lowry look to you with the back injury i mean he hit some big shots in the second quarter but did look to be laboring slightly to me yeah, I expected it to be a lot worse than it was. I think it was Eric Corrine that I had seen was talking about how he looks really limited in the shoot around this morning. And he certainly like if if I hadn't known that, I would have said that he didn't look all the way right. But I wouldn't have. I, but it was better than my expectations. And defensively, I thought it was going to be more of an issue. And he wasn't perfect, but he was be- again better than expected. What about Chris Middleton? You know, he did come back from that hamstring injury. We have to remember that that perhaps he's not really a hundred percent either. I mean, that was a massive hamstring injury that he had where he missed four months so but he does look like he's playing in quicksand out there a lot of times uh, is there any hope for him to get better because i mean this is you mentioned those three buck starters that didn't reach double figures i mean middleton is supposed to be like their second leading score in the series and he just you know even when Giannis plays well they're looking for something else there and he's not giving it to him and he doesn't really look very good defensively either I've been more concerned on one end or the other at various moments in time. You know, the, offensively, you kind of think of him as like, oh, he's such a good catch and shoot guy and he, he should be efficient on that end. And, and certainly he can he can convert those opportunities, but he sometimes gets a little thirsty with his shot, takes some that are that are unadvisable. And it's not like the Bucks are this dominant offense where those are catastrophic, but they certainly do make it harder for them to really succeed. And then defensively, yeah, he's had those moments where he looks like he's in quicksand. That is a real concern and another concern that I had and I hadn't really thought about this as much until today's game is that we've talked in the Oklahoma City series about how they have too many one-way guys and that that really is true throughout their roster it's a larger structural issue for them but Milwaukee's bench has a lot of one-way guys and one of the problems is they're all the same way like you know Terry is not a good defender at this point Greg Monroe has his moments but he's far better offensively Toledovich has been a massive problem defensively and eventually they're going to need more balance in that group especially because they are not so dominant offensively that they can overcome their collective flaws 
Yeah, and I do think people who were saying early on in this series that, oh, does this mean that they don't need Jabari? And, you know, Jabari still has a long way to go defensively. We don't know if he's ever really going to be healthy again. But what he could be as just another scorer who can create his own shot, get out on the break more, as well as another guy who can grab and go or fill the lanes, a guy who is an explosive finisher along the baseline. They could really use that guy in this series because Middleton, you know, they is really more of probably a tertiary guy. And I do think Middleton needs to just concentrate more on spotting up than he has been. You know, I mean, he's just not getting enough three point attempts off. Uh, and he's spending too much of his time in the mid-range. A uh, couple other notes here before we talk about the rest of the series. The Bucks were, a lot of their regular season bugaboos came back. Toronto, not a huge volume three-point shooting team. Toronto took 14 corner threes. They actually took more corner threes than they took above the break threes uh, and made six out of 14. I mean, and the Bucks were the worst in the league at giving up the corner three, which as we know is basically other than a layup, the most efficient shot in basketball. And another couple of small things, I think Ibaka's transition post-ups have been very effective in this series. I really, like, whenever he challenges a shot, he runs down and tries to get great position. He did well there. And the last thing, too, is as if we start to look ahead a little bit to future series, P.J. Tucker, who I think is going to need to play more, he only played 24 minutes in this one. His offense is going to be a problem, I think. You know, I lauded him for having sped up his release a little bit. He hit a couple of shots early in the series. And not only is he not hitting shots right now, but he just isn't even finding shots to begin with. You know, if you're going to play 23 minutes and go 0 for 3 from the field, that's something that you really can exploit as just a a complete non-entity on offense. But, I mean, he's their guy to guard LeBron James in the next series, in theory. So, you know, I I think that could end up being an issue that he's just too much of a one-way guy. Guy. we'll see maybe he can get hot but you, you mean know, I think the hiding much place like... for the hiding place for Kyrie Irving or LeBron depending on if they if they <laughs> want to use LeBron as a monster help defender that would be yeah. one way to do it right I, I think you're right about that um all right so going forward in this series now I mean, it's got that feeling of Raps taking this one down in six, right? They've been clearly the better team for me the last two games. I mean, it was more down the stretch of game four than this one where they were more better throughout. But yeah, I mean, I I think they have them in six is probably the most likely outcome. Them in seven is probably second. And then uh, Bucks in seven is probably third. That's the way I see it right now. Yeah, teams that win game five at home to go up 3-2 in the series. Uh, Dan Feldman tweeted this out there. I think they're like, you know, they win the series 83 percent of the time or something like that so you know i would say give the raptors maybe a 60 percent chance in game six and then you know the standard 80 percent uh game seven at home chance if it were to get to that point i will move on to washington and atlanta but first this for movement watches i know actually now own two movement watches my girlfriend owns one as well she wears it nearly every day i suggested them to my mom she bought a bunch of them as gifts for her nieces they all really like them as well and i basically had not owned a watch for almost 15 years because it just seemed like kind of a waste of money for me i was like 500 bucks those are like the least expensive ones that i actually liked and like i got my cell phone i can tell time but you know it actually is really nice to have a stylish timepiece and not have to dig your phone out of your pocket if you want to see what time it is as well and the beauty of movement watches is the style of minimalism starts at only $95 plus you can get 15% off today at the url movementwatches.com mvmtwatches.com slash capspace 
And what's more, if you want to support the show as uh, one of our many international listeners, this is a great product to do it with because Movement Watches has sold over 500,000 watches in over 160 countries. So once again, the way to get started with them, movementwatches.com, mvmtwatches.com slash capspace. That'll get you 15% off today. Movementwatches.com slash capspace. Join the movement. So Washington and Atlanta, I will give you credit, although you portended our doom, that this would be the series that would go on way too long. Although curiously, didn't you pick this in in five? No, I picked it in six. I picked every Eastern Conference series in six. <laughs> uh, that might yeah, actually I do with... okay. I mean, got one wrong already, but the other three might be possible. Yeah, in the one series that's concluded, I'm ahead of you because I had five, uh, although neither of us were exactly right. I had this one in seven, I think. That's my recollection. That's curiously the one that we didn't put in the sheet, but uh, you know, now now that it looks like it's going seven, we'll just say that I pick seven. Um, oh no, I'll go back to look li- to listen if if you get it right. <laughs> so to me, the key stretch of this game, Dennis Schroeder gets his third foul with Jose Calderon waiting at the scorer's table to check in for him in the first quarter. And then later on, early in the second, Washington was scoring great. They led it 38 to 29. And then it was a 14-0 run for the Hawks. And it wasn't even all, all bench units either. I think John Wall was on the floor for a part of this. A 14-0 run for the Hawks with a backcourt of Hardaway and Calderon and somehow Washington like couldn't score on that backcourt and it took like six minutes you know it wasn't like one of these runs where it's like oh we just hit you in the blink of an eye it was just Washington not being able to score during that period it was very odd and from that point the Hawks really maintained control Uh, Washington was able to come back and tie it but never really able to get any kind of a lead and then the big stretch again was the start of the fourth quarter as Washington's reserve as Brooks for whatever reason he usually staggers Beal and Wall didn't do it in this game uh for like a two minute period at the start of the fourth and they got wrecked during that period uh gave up a 12 to 4 run during that time and while Washington did pull within one later on uh they never could stop this Hawks teams and that's where I would start it as a warning sign here for Washington to give up a 112 offensive rating to the Hawks they couldn't stop in the last game either this is a pretty bad Hawks offense yeah that's been my big concern as well Washington does have the talent to really put it together for some stretches but they haven't and I think part of the reason that they had that time of course I, I made the snark on Twitter that another time where Scotty Brooks didn't didn't play played both of his played at the time without both of his best players you know that was a hallmark of the early early Thunder years. And it was a concern. Bradley Beal's foul trouble was probably a part of that. But Washington, in a couple of different ways, has underperformed their talent level in this series. I don't worry as much in terms of underperforming about their bench. Their bench just isn't good, but that becomes a problem against Well, let's talk about their bench. You know, people on on Twitter were giving Ernie Grunfeld shit uh, for this bench but like it's not like these players are like bad bench players if you compare them around the, i mean well, with, Jennings, where, with where they are now like where their bench was in december that was totally true but getting jennings and bogdanovich made yeah. them a lot but better. they still have sucked though i mean that's that's part of the yeah, problem that's true. Like, I, mean, I mean and you know but but i don't know that i necessarily i think those players just aren't playing well enough like i i don't put that on grunfeld i mean he's made probably like seven eight moves to try and get a good bench and part of 
bit, I think they really miss Mahinmi defensively on that bench because now you're playing Jason Smith at center. Uh, Markeith Morris, who's usually a decent defensive player, is in foul trouble, so he can't join up. They're maybe going with like Otto Porter, who's not really that good on defense either. Average at best to me. Jennings is horrible. He's been so bad defensively in the series. And Boyan is, is a sieve as well. So without Mahinmi to help out behind those guys, you know, we really saw some problems. And I liked, again when Atlanta went to a unit that has been pretty successful with Muscala and Ilyasova in the front court during that period, Ilyasova, again, was plus 11, always seems to have a good plus minus, uh, at, even when he was playing for the Sixers earlier in the year. And so that really is very important for Schroeder. Uh, and he was on the floor, I think, for part of that time during the run in, in the fourth quarter. But more spacing is so important for Schroeder because his he doesn't have any craft finishing at the rim, right? His move is, I'm going to cross you over and just go a 1,000 miles an hour at the rim and try to just beat you and the help there and just shoot a regular layup. You know, he doesn't really have much of a floater game. He doesn't have any kind of like a double pump game. He never gets fouled. He just he's like, I got to beat you there and just throw this thing up. And so if you can just make the help a step away, a, a two further steps away because they got a guard shooting that's huge for someone like Schroeder and although he struggled a little bit uh, to shoot it he did hit a couple of big threes late as they went under on him to to ice it and I thought overall uh, both he and Calderon who was amazing in that second quarter uh, were able to uh, hold their own against John Wall who didn't have one of his better games he didn't and this was the third straight time that Markeith Morris did not have a good game and the Wizards should be able to withstand that. I mean, I think their talent level is still higher than the Hawks, though Atlanta's defense can certainly be capable. And sure, foul trouble was a part of that, but foul trouble can be a problem for players like Markeith Morris. You know, I, I think that it's a, it's a concern for Washington that they're dependent on a guy like him to the degree that they have been so far. I mean, even with Wall playing well, I mean, Porter's had some bad games as well. So I'm a little bit more concerned about them than I was at the beginning of the playoffs. And and, you know, the Hawks have the Hawks been both of these games. I thought they played really well. I just didn't think them doing that was going to be enough. Yeah, you would have thought after they won the first two that Washington could get one of these two games in Atlanta. Uh, as it turned out, they were not, neither of the games was close at the end. They gave up 34 fourth quarter points uh, after it was tied at 77. And you mentioned Morris. His war of words with Paul Millsap. I mean, he's got to wave the white flag on that because you know Millsap is going to have to change up his quote. He said, "All right, you just take the take the L and go back to the hotel." Uh, but now actually it's take the L and you know fly back to Washington so maybe maybe he said something different after the game I didn't watch their press conference but uh, Morris has been in foul trouble two of the last three games I don't know that he's even cracked 10 points he was three of 10 for nine points and this one had five fouls Millsap dominated him uh, on both ends at one point for a key possession Scott Brooks I think just to try to like believe in Morris and get him back in the game gave him a post up with like six minutes left in the game on Millsap out of a timeout and you know Millsap Millsap just stopped him because, you know, Markeith Morris isn't good enough to post up on Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Morris has 21 points in their last three games. It was 9-9-3. Nine, nine, and three. Yeah, that, that's really, I mean, he's going to have to play better. And Otto Porter was efficient, 13 points on uh, 11 shooting possessions. But, you know, he's not giving them a ton defensively. And you know, it's probably going to need to generate more shots. I mean, really, the only guy who played well in this game was Brad Beal. And Beal, encouragingly, got up 14 three-point attempts. 
actually probably could have made more of those because they really were cooking the combination of Hardaway and Howard in pick and roll Howard although he had a really nice game offensively he had 16 points and 15 rebounds in this one although he did take 14 shots to get there uh but he is so immobile defensively now I mean it's incredible usually guys can lose their vertical explosion before they lose their mobility but he you know just looks like his entire midsection is just encased in ice I mean he can't get into a stance he can't even like take one slide to the left like there was this one drive by wall where he just like didn't jump didn't like you know even try to slide over just fouled john wall like kind of stood there uh i mean he's like not only is he not getting out of the paint he's like not even getting out of the restricted area on a lot of these pick and rolls it, it's really insane so hardaway is no good at getting over screen so they would just set a ball screen beal would come off it behind the three-point line and just shoot a wide open three they did that quite a few times uh but then they actually closed it with Bazemore, who did a really nice job i thought actually getting over those screens contesting with his length making it a little bit harder on beal and then hardaway had a nice offensive game as well with uh, 15 points three of five uh, from three intuitively if you were to say that a, t- a team was going to face a center that was as immobile as Howard has looked in the series you could make an argument that Washington would probably be the second best backcourt to capitalize on that behind Portland just because Portland has two ridiculous creators off the dribble who can do that yeah, with or, or Gold, CJ. Golden State would be one yeah obviously, Golden State would be another one too for three but and they haven't I just don't think Clay in terms of that sort of circumstance that's not just not really his strength but anyway Beal well, and but here, Wall, this is the issue actually I, I know where you're going here and I think I'm going to disagree with you because Wall to me is still you know a very iffy jump shooter right he's an iffy jump shooter but he can use the space that is created to do other positive things offensively true and he's very good at doing that so I think in total and on the offensive realm that works I agree with you that as as you know the the weakness one of the weaknesses in his game is that he can't shoot that pull up you know 20 footer but I, I feel like Washington should be able to take advantage of that more than they have and I mean for Jose Calderon to have a podium game and deserve it against the team at this point in his career is ridiculous I mean, I'm happy for him, of course, but that shouldn't happen. It's just not the way that, that this should go down. We should just have his life, you know, 10 points, five rebounds, four and nine from the field, two, five from three in 20 minutes. And he looked good out there. Brandon Jennings is, fought, you know, Brandon Jennings is, is certainly flawed, but it just shouldn't happen. 10 points, four of nine shooting, two of five on threes. Calderon had what might have been the t- first two offensive rebounds of his entire career in this he game, including... Yeah, on Jennings, too. Jennings just like a pathetic non-effort on a, a fast break missed layup. Um, so yeah, it, it was not good. And Calderon was a game high plus 29. No other player was higher than plus 13. <laughs> So pretty incredible there. Uh, and, and he uh, took advantage quite well of the fact that Schroeder was in foul trouble. He got more of a chance to play in his 20 minutes. Uh, also deserving of continued mention is Torian Prince. He was 7-10 in game three, 5-7 in this one, including 4-4 four four in the first half. And while he's not doesn't have a ton of volume from three yet he just you know he's shooting like one or two a game in this series uh he's just able to get out in transition attack closeouts he looks good finishing at the rim he's got a lot of explosion and uh he's a solid defensive player as well and i'm surprised actually that they put hardaway on beal instead of him um maybe he's just not that good at like getting through screens or they're worried about him getting in foul trouble or something but i think he could do a better job than hardaway would it's a little interesting to me that that they have hardaway guarding beal because uh 
Hardaway's been getting his butt kicked in that matchup. Uh, so, I was really impressed. There yeah. was one play where I think it was in the first quarter where Prince just had a, a, a mid-range shot and he just looked so comfortable shooting it. The defensive part for him uh, is not a surprise. I, I thought that was, he always had the capability. He's got and, great feet. He, yeah, he needs he the experience, great. but he's got great feet. And he, I think he moves, uh, his instincts aren't bad. You know, that's, I don't think he's at the level of, let's say like Patrick McCaw's a rookie, just in terms of knowing what's going on and being in the right place at the right time. But I think he can get a lot closer to that. And he, as you said, he has good feet. I've been floored that his he's been as offensively capable, both in terms of recognition and in terms of making the right play at the right time. I, I thought that was going to be the problem he was going to have in the league. And he's already better than I thought he was going to be two or three seasons in. In some ways... And let's not go too far here, I'll tell you why, but he actually reminds me a little bit of Kawhi Leonard with some of the, not quite that level of physical tools and strength, but you know, maybe he'll get there and but he he has an offensive game that's surprising and i think he can potentially progress into more of a, a lockdown defender maybe not as good of a steals guy but of course he's also three years older than Kawhi leonard was as a rookie too so let's uh, we'll not get carried away but just in terms of a, a guy who's just this moldable clay and seems to be adding new skill sets and is contributing as a rookie in the playoffs he played 32 minutes in this one and cephalosha only played one you know i, I don't know how healthy he is with that groin but he obviously was great. I mean, he's playing over guys like Dunleavy and Cephalosha, who you would have thought would be in the rotation. So he's earning this time. Um, so that's something for the Hawks to feel pretty good about going forward. Should they feel good going forward about the rest of this series? Washington is just so inconsistent that, I mean, why not? I mean, they can certainly, if they if, if Atlanta plays as well as they did today, they can win in, in D.C. I don't think that the Wizards have this massive home court advantage at the Verizon Center. So it's possible, but I also think that it, it kind of the timing works out that they'll probably put it together a little bit i would not be surprised at all to see this series go seven and i've said this about the raptors before they've been putting it together a little bit i don't trust them as much in a home game seven as i would uh, just an average team that isn't to say against the specific opponent i'd actually say the same thing about the clippers too but i still think the rap I, I still think that the wizards win this series i'm just so much less comfortable with it because we've seen them lay eggs now yeah we have and especially if wall's jumper is off as it was today and Howard is just laying back and they're making them making him shoot that and then you know if they can't just kill the Hawks in transition Hawks actually won the fast break point battle and then Gortat as well you know only two points I mean he's very dependent on Wall having a good game and uh, Wall did up 10 assists but also six turnovers and was 7 and 19 from the field they just need a lot of guys to play better. I mean, Morris and, and Wall among them. I mean, and, and I don't want to put it on the feet of Wall because he's had three amazing games in this series and one bad game. You're allowed to do that. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure what Mahimi's health status is. You know, we haven't heard anything about him coming back at, at any time soon. Uh, he's actually supposed to miss at least two more games. Might have a chance to play in game five. Uh, he was supposed to miss two more games as of... Uh, april 21st so i don't know uh i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility to me that the hawks could actually win this game five i mean i think the wizards are still pretty big favorites in this series but the hawks have enough defense that i think it's quite possible for them to slow down this wizards attack and i mean this morris Millsap matchup like you know if morris is just and he's going to lose that matchup most of the time but if he's just going to get slaughtered and like not only lose it but like get in foul trouble and not even be able to stay on the court for half the game and that's a massive problem, you know, because they, I mean, Morris is one of their better defensive players. If they don't have him out there, like now you're really in trouble. And, you know, they're not getting anything out of Kelly Oubre either. He was negative 12, didn't fail to score in nine minutes. Um, 
yeah i mean it's never as bad as you think it is usually after a playoff loss um unless you're the portland trailblazers but yeah not good uh for the wizards here and i, I put them as favorites but you know i would give the hawks like you know a 30 percent chance of actually winning the series and that is a lot more than i, I think either of us would have put expected at this point yeah and it's not only the fact that they lost these games that they lost them like pretty handily and you know just are giving up these huge runs and like they have i mean let's put it this way right like i can can point to like five major problems that the wizards have right now you know that if that they need to fix it, it, at least like three of them if they're going to start winning games again and that's a concern wouldn't it be wild if that one if that you know bracket ended up being that after considering the teams that went up 2-0 if it ended up being boston and atlanta considering it started out the other way wow yeah that would be pretty crazy but not as crazy as going out and then trying to drive home. With technology like the free Lyft app, there's just no reason to do that anymore. Especially because if you've never used Lyft before, you can get three free rides up to $10 each when you enter promo code CAPSPACE. I actually have been using Lyft since 2013, long before they were a sponsor. And I actually got in touch with them and said, hey, I would love to be an endorser for your products i've been using it and i really enjoy it it's way better than taking a cab that's for sure i really loathe the cab industry especially being a tall guy like they never want you to sit in the front in big cities they have this ridiculous barrier that takes up like a foot of your leg room you're claustrophobic back there you can't see out you know on lyft i've never had anyone complain about sitting in the front seat they don't have like newspapers from 1987 and a beaded seat cushion sitting there so you can't sit down it's just a much better service and you can just order it by an app so you don't have to go out there and try and hail a cab just you can see when it's coming and you just go outside once the car has arrived and once again the way to get started with them download that free lift app and then use the offer code CAPSPACE. that's all one word and easy to remember because we talk about it all the time in the program and if you are a new user you can get three free rides up to ten dollars each so once again that is promo code CAPSPACE with the free lift app all right, after that incredibly smooth transition, let's talk about the smooth transition game of the Golden State Warriors, Danny. Nice. <laughs> this was... Oh god, this is terrible. I can't I can't believe I'm doing this. It's really miserable. Yeah, you're becoming you're becoming a true professional, my friend. Uh but oh, I god. I think that the first quarter of this game was absolutely insane. I mean, so I I already recorded Locked on Warriors with Andy Liu, friend of both of ours, and this was as close as I can recall this season to their ceiling in terms of not only the offensive end, I'm sure the 45 points, that's completely appalling, but defensively, they just looked really good out there. I mean, the, the period I chose to focus on was the first eight minutes of the game in which they outscored Portland 35 to 11. Portland was four of 17 during that period, one of seven on threes. I think all of those threes were contested. The only one that went in was uh, from Evan Turner. Uh, and then they were blocking shots at the, the rim left and right. KD was engaged. Uh, they were contesting shots at the rim. The, the scoring was spread out. Thompson and Curry both had nine points. Durant had seven. Draymond Green was hitting three-pointers. Zaza Pachulia had five points. And it was just an absolute massacre for the Warriors. I and mean, you could just feel it going through the arena where they're just like absolutely in awe at what was happening to their team. And, you know, I, I get the fact that the Blazers were pretty demoralized here going into a, a game four. But, I mean, the Warriors probably should have had 50 points Steph missed a wide open three and Draymond Green missed two free throws and they ended up putting up 45 in that first 
quarter and it was just a, an absolute massacre i mean we don't need to spend that much time in the game you know Stott started myers leonard to try and hide him a little bit with nurkic out against Pachulia. that obviously uh didn't go too well cj mccollum had one of the worst games of his career maybe the worst game of his career i don't know if he even hit a field goal by the end of it but i had turned it off by that point he hadn't when i turned it off he ended up two out of twelve for six points the biggest takeaway for me from the blazers and we'll talk much more about their offseason probably later in the week was just that if they're gonna hang with a team like the warriors i mean number one their defense is just not good enough but number two their support players just aren't good enough shooters turner harkless aminu the warriors are just like content to let these guys fire away and while aminu did shoot five and nine and had 20 25 points they weren't guarding him and all the other possessions and that really caused big problems at the rim for the blazers when they tried to drive and so if they want to think about competing with the warriors which i don't think they ever will frankly with this core um but even getting into the upper echelon like those guys have just got to learn to shoot shoot better because as we know they're pretty locked into uh this team right now i don't want to go too much into their off-season preview stuff just because i right. have i have some thoughts on it. i was actually working on my my salary excel yesterday and was had some was thinking about the blazers but there are two other players that we need to talk about one is stephen curry this was one of his best performances to me of the entire season 37 points in the first three quarters he like was standard last year didn't play in the fourth could have you know they could have ended this even earlier if they wanted to and then the other guy is kevin durant i mean this was durant's basically tune-up game in a playoff game on the road against a good team and he looked okay you know he had some some really good moments in uh, defensively in the first half chase down block on i believe that was mo harkless plays he had two threes both of which he shot pretty comfortably relatively early on how did you think that he looked he had one stretch where he turned it over like three times in four possessions that looked pretty bad i thought he looked fine i mean i thought he looked like the player that they need him to be um you know i thought he actually looked better offensively in the first game but i mean then again this was such a blowout he had a couple of like sweet crossovers and transition for uh, where he would just go in, in for dunks he got a back door um but i thought it was really curry uh, w- was the bigger thing to me the way he closed out the blazers at the end of game three and then uh some of the shots that he hit in this one i mean he hit three completely ridiculous threes one two of them were two for ones at the end of the first half and the third quarter one was he stepped inside the arc went behind the back gathered off the behind the back and jumped back behind the three-point line to his right to make a three and then there was another and two where he caught the ball on the left wing against Vonley and just was kind of like looking at the ground not even had his feet facing the basket and then just like went up with a set shot three off of his right hip that he made as well I mean this was one of those like oh I almost said vintage which uh, I can't use that yet because I, I don't think that he's washed the, the way <laughs> a lot of guys are when you use the term vintage but uh this was one of those Seth Curry games that we saw from last year with just the ridiculous highlights and when he's going like this then Thompson was on fire as well he was three or five from three Draymond Green hit five out of eight three-pointers I mean there's just there is no stopping this Warriors team and the defense was fantastic as well early on and really the only blazer to play that well was Lillard but even he started extremely poorly and then he just kind of poured it on uh, as people kind of stopped trying 
I kind of feel like that's enough on this game. You want to move on to the the main event question that you got on the Twitter and Bay show and we've both been toying with and discussing for the last three hours? Yeah, this was really interesting. I mentioned it in the open and I was surprised at, at what the answer that I came up with. But could you construct a team out of all the non-playoff teams that would beat the Warriors in a series or I think even be that competitive? And so I guess what team did you come up with out of, uh, I mean, this isn't necessarily picking the eight best players. We decided just to kind of do an eight man rotation. It's not picking the eight best players so much as just the, you know, you want a team that fits together and could play against Golden State as well. But who did you come up with there? So I'll say at the outset that one of the big construction problems that you have with this is that I'll use Kentavious Caldwell Pope as an example. So KCP was last season, the best defender I saw in Stephen Curry. However, playing KCP in that way requires a very specific kind of complimentary player. You ideally want somebody who can run the offense at a high level and defend a different position. Those guys do not exist in the collection of non-playoff teams. So you can kind of trade that off either way. So the guys that I ended up with, point guard rotation of Kemba Walker and Goran Dragic with Drew Holiday and Ricky Rubio in consideration. The wings, KCP and Nikola Batum. I just think Batum is a better fit than Melo for that for that starting spot. Melo would just, there wouldn't really be a place to put him at this point in his career. Other consideration Fournier, Andrew Wiggins, Harrison Barnes is kind of a hybrid forward, but they would have really good bigs. I went with Porzingis, Towns, and Jokic, but a couple other players that weren't consideration, healthy Joel Embiid, Andre Drummond, Eric Bledsoe, Wilson Chandler, Gallinari. Is Anthony Davis dead? Oh, I forgot about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is the starting four. Never mind. Uh, Davis and Towns would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, to me- How did I remember Drew and forget AD? I mean, you know, maybe he just is injured as we're doing this or something- uh, but yeah, I think it, I'll tell you what my team is in a minute, but I don't think that this team could beat them because the Warriors would have the two best players in the series, Steph and KD. Uh, they also would have by far the best defensive player in the series. That's Draymond. And they would have the best shooter in the series on the wing, which would be Clay. Uh, so, I, I mean, with those four guys, and then they probably would have even the best wing defender, which would be Andre Iguodala. Uh, so, who I ended up going with here, Towns and AD were my two traditional big men. Maybe they'd start the game playing together, but you know might sub in for each other. Uh, we would be switching everything. That would be our, our goal. My two point guards would be Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe because of their size and length. I think they could switch everything. If you want, and I did have KCP as well. If you want to play KCP, you could have Bledsoe guard Clay Thompson, kind of hold him. He's got the strength and length, I think, to get into his shooting pocket and challenge him a little bit more. If they tr- want to post up, Bledsoe is really strong. He's not interested in being posted up. Uh, so uh, Robert Covington would also be in there for me, uh, probably the best defensive wing who can actually do anything on offense that didn't make the playoffs. And then I also actually might think about trying to find a spot for Joel Embiid. It's just that town, with Towns and AD, it's too many. That's probably too many traditional bigs. But I certainly would have Embiid on, on the team just because of his shot blocking. It just make things difficult for the team at the rim defensively. And I probably would throw in uh, Wes Matthews as well uh, because just to get another guy who can shoot threes and switch is, is going to be strong. Batum, uh, not good enough defensively for me. Um, I think he's too skinny. He's just not intense enough. 
enough. He doesn't really like block any shots or like really get into guys in the post. So uh, I would probably leave him out as well. And then maybe Barnes would be my last guy, Harrison Barnes. So something that's that's fascinating to me is that we took very different tacts on the basic question, which is generally speaking, you're going to have to create a lineup with these players. And just the talent disparity is pretty amazing. You're going to have to go kind of one direction or the other. Uh, my thought was you're not going to create a lineup that is going to be able to switch everything and be able to score basically at all. Like I, I didn't, I, I considered, you know, of course I love Eric Bledsoe, you know, that as, as well as anybody. But like when I was starting to think about those lineups, I'm like, how are they going to get offense? And my thought was, yeah, that's a good uh, offense. I mean, Towns and AD together. I mean, ta- well, they don't have anyone who can stop Towns. They don't have anyone who can stop, stop I mean, but they could help off of a lot of the other guys, I would say with, with some impunity and, you know, just oh, running. So, so who are they helping off of other than Bledsoe? I mean, KCP is, is a shooter. Uh, Harrison Barnes is a shooter. Covington is is a good enough shooter. He struggled early in the year, but he's been pretty good in his career. Drew Holiday is a good shooter. Wes Matthews is a good shooter. So I actually, I disagree with you. I think it would be, and I didn't pick Devin Booker because he's not good enough defensively. I, I think actually it could be closer than you think it, it would be. Oh, I think it could I, be I close too. I would still favor Golden State. But no, I think this this lineup would be pretty able to score just because Towns and AD, I think, like my strategy would be, you know, we're going to go 2015 Cleveland style and just throw it to pounds in the post every time and try to get double teams and just back down get Draymond in foul trouble and then we're going to go at Steph Curry all the the time the other advantage that this team has and this is we've we've done these kind of division versus things before is that this team would also be crazy deep because you could get you could get 48 good minutes and so you could even if you wanted to be aggressive enough take it in this way which I think is a little bit unfair is just give you know these really talented not all-stars but very talented players just like 25 minutes full bore instead of going like 48 48 or something like that yeah, and maybe if he's not like almost leading the league in minutes, we might get more of a defensive effort from Towns. But I, I do, I think it would be, it would be interesting. I think that the Warriors just would have like a little bit more superstar talent, obviously way more cohesion as well, better passing. I mean, that passing would be one of the the weaknesses probably of this team. Uh, so, but you know, I, th- I think it would. I mean, it, it would be the second best team in the league, probably at least. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. So we'll see, and we may be overrating the Warriors too. Now, like, who knows? Maybe they lose, and the, and this whole thing sounds like a joke. But I, I thought it was an interesting question, and uh, I well, enjoyed. And, and you're thinking about it in the abstract. I mean, even if they, even if the Warriors don't win the title, you could still have that conversation who is your toughest omission from this team for me it was uh Kemba Walker well so Kemba Kemba made mine uh toughest omission probably Drew Holiday I love Drew and I think he does he does a really good job on Steph Curry but I basically chose KCP over him just because of his size and versatility yeah actually I've heard a few people spiritually Joel Embiid but we just need to see more of it I actually think Embiid playing like 15 minutes a game and that would be would be awesome there is this idea like I heard someone saying that like Beverly does a great job on on Steph Curry and, and you just said Drew like you remember like Steph Curry hitting 13 three-pointers against the Pelicans earlier this year right I do <laughs> I'm pretty sure Drew Holiday played it played in that game and Beverly like you know they stuff destroyed him in the 2015 West Finals and and Houston other than that one win earlier in the year like can't defend the Warriors either so I I mean I don't think that those guys necessarily do the best job against him. I think he is at the point now where like points point guard size guys like don't give him that much control anymore it's really got to be like wing size guys you know an Avery Bradley or KCP type um who can really like get into it but I think with Steph it's more about just having guys who can switch and then having those guys able to defend him really then because it's just uh if you're just going to play 
play Steph conventionally, conventional pick and roll defense. Like no one even does that anymore. You know, it's either you're trapping him, in which case it doesn't really matter who the initial defender is on him because you're just, you know, getting the ball out of his hands or you're switching. So I think actually like the who is like, oh, we're going to have this guy guard Steph Curry other than maybe Boston. There's really no other team where, you know, it even matters that much because it's just not the strategy to go over in conventional pick and roll defense against him anymore. That's a great point. And it's disappointing that this team can't have noted switch defender Kevin Love because of course he can shut him down. <laughs> On that note, I, I think it's time to call it quits. We will do a fuller slate of Twitter NBA show tomorrow. We got OKC and Houston. What else do we have tomorrow? Is it is uh, Jazz Clippers tomorrow too? And Memphis San Antonio. Oh yeah, that's going to be great. And uh, we're since we're not doing the delay now, we can actually switch back and forth between the games too, which will be fun to do. Uh, and like the the ordering makes a little bit more sense too. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to doing that a lot. Hope you will join us. Follow me on Periscope at Nate Duncan NBA and on Twitter at Nate Duncan NBA as well. And don't forget about our sponsors. Lift that cap space code will get you your first three rides free up to $10 if you are a new customer and movement washes, you can get a 15% discount. You don't have to be a new customer for this. MVMTwatches.com slash cap space is the URL. Talk to you guys next time. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.